Do you like games? Cool. Do you like fantasy football? Well, you're here. Do you like games about fantasy football? Sweet. I have the perfect podcast for you. Dynasty Game Night, hosted by yours truly, Russ Fisher, Matt Price, John Bosch, and Rocky Petrella. We play games about fantasy football. You might learn a little something, but really, we're just here to have fun. So if you like playing a game about a game about a game, then check out Dynasty Game Night, a proud member of the DLF family of podcasts. Welcome to the DLF Dynasty Podcast with your hosts, Dan Myler, Ryan McDowell, and Matt Price. Yeah, we are the DLF Dynasty Podcast. Dan, Matt, and Ryan, we are here with you for episode 586 of the show. And we are through week three, or almost through week three. As always, we're recording on Sunday night to get this to you right away Monday morning. Guys, there was some big-time action, lit up some scoreboards across the league in week three. Uh, fantasy scores were were pretty high, especially if you had your Dolphins in the lineup, Matt. Did you did you start all your Dolphins on Sunday? Every single one. <laughs> Every single team that I have has Devin A. Chain on the bench, of course. I'm sure that's how it is for, for most of us. It, it was just really hard to click that button we were talking about ahead of time, um, so you shouldn't feel sad. I bet more people. What do you think, Dan? Who started? How many? Uh, when we break it down, did more people start Devin A. Chain or more, did more people start Raheem Mostert this week? Uh, Raheem Mostert <laughs> easily. I thought you were going to say something like, "Did more people start Devin A. Chain or Craig Reynolds?" And I'd still say Craig Reynolds. I think. <laughs> Ryan, uh, how uh, scoring go your way in in week three so far? Uh, well, I didn't have many dolphins, but uh, I did. I, I had a I had an okay week overall. But man, it was it was fun to watch that game for sure. Yeah, the Dolphins they were pulling their starters and still scoring. The Chiefs pulled their starters early. They were putting on a clinic against the uh, the Chicago Cubs. Really, they they might as well put the put the Cubs baseball team on the field in in Kansas City in week three because that was rough uh this episode of the DLF Dynasty podcast is brought to you by League Tycoon if you play in a contract dynasty league or have ever thought about joining a contract league but were worried that it would be too much work then you're going to want to check out League Tycoon League Tycoon has perfected a platform for fantasy football salary cap and contract leagues leagues are super easy to set up and they offer a ton of configuration and management options. League Tycoon's mobile app makes managing your team easy. In fact, their mobile app may be the best fantasy league mobile app in the industry. I can vouch for that. It's feature-rich, easy to navigate, and doesn't have a lot of distracting features to take away from the pure fantasy football experience. So go to LeagueTycoon.com to get more information and download the app. And if you use the promo code DLF when creating a league, your first year is absolutely free. That's leaguetycoon.com. Watch some of those videos about how they run their platform and their product, and you'll fall in love just like I did. Guys, we got a lot to get to on the show this week. We're going to talk about some rookies, as we always do. We're talking about the state of the running back position in Dynasty. That's going to be a fun conversation. And then we need to discuss some risers and fallers across the Dynasty landscape uh, we'll probably do that in a draft format, so uh, just just so we can have some fun. But let's hit the startup to kick things off. 
the startup. Yeah, there were a few different ways we could go for the startup this week, but we have to do a do a Devin A Chain breakout startup this week, Matt. The Dolphins win 70 to 20 over the Denver Broncos. They put on a clinic all day long. A Chain was incredible. 18 carries, 203 yards, and two rushing scores to go along with four catches for 30 and two more receiving he mixed in with Raheem Mostert early and dominated touches late in the game had had that really long I think 67 yard touchdown run against backups but it all counts in the fantasy stat line Mostert was no slouch either though 13 carries 82 yards and three rushing touchdowns to go along with seven catches for 60 yards and a score as a receiver so you know I, I think dynasty managers everywhere are just smitten with A-Chain and the upside here. But the truth might be that that Mostert is the starter there. He's going to get the first opportunity. He's going to probably get the first opportunity along the goal line. The high leverage touches are Mostert's moving forward as long as he's healthy. But we're thrilled about what A-Chain could possibly be in this just dynamic Miami offense. Yeah, we are. And and he displayed everything we wanted to see from him. We knew he had Olympic-level speed. He, uh, which he he showed in this game. He showed the power, strength, and contact balance that we loved in this film in our pre-draft processes. And uh, you know, maybe not as many receptions as we had liked, but that little that little uh, <laughs> I don't even know what you call it that no look kind of side oh. sidearm pass, like reverse pass he threw there for that touchdown on that reception was incredible. Uh, so he's just so versatile, and you're right. Mostert's going to be the guy. They're going to be. They're going to play the the veteran deference, right? But we've known that Mostert, uh, you know, he, he gets dinged up a lot, and he's old. So we'll see. Uh, a chain is going to be the secondary option, but I think there's enough to go around. This game is, you know, definitely an outlier. We're not going to see 70 points every single week. We're not going to see a running back one and two overall from the same team every week. Um, but you know, even on limited touches, I think a chain showed that he can be a fantasy factor. So, uh, I think we have to adjust moving forward. He's out of the, he's out of the bag, so to speak. And until Jeff Wilson comes back, it's a, it's really a, this two horse show. So, um, I mean, he's going to be in my lineup next week, Dan, I don't know about you. Yeah. Yeah. He's got to be in everybody's lineup moving forward because of this like raw upside that he can, he can win you a week. And that's what he did for, uh, for dynasty managers willing to click that button next to his name, Ryan, he was, he was dynamic. And when you, when you combine the creative play calling, mm-hmm. that is this, this offense and this coaching staff that, that is, I, I don't, I can't come up with a better word than creative. The, the play that Matt is uh, referring to there with the no look, they were using Tyreek as the perfect decoy. Yeah. Everybody yeah. on the field, everybody watching on TV or in the stadium or watching red zone was thinking to themselves, oh, here comes Tyreek on the end around and the no look shovel goes underneath. And it was a walk-in touchdown. Like, like some teams, you get one of those plays and everybody's talking about it all week long, right? It seems like Miami every single week has three or four of those types of creative looks that creates opportunities for these blazing speed type players like Tyreek and like these two running backs that we're talking about here. A-Chain mixing into this means he's always one play away from, from getting you that big play that, that makes the week for you. But he's also one Mostert injury away from potentially being an RB1 for our fantasy teams, despite the lack of size and and all the things that we talked about during the draft process that that some thought could be red flags. 
Yeah, absolutely. It's hard not to be excited about, uh, about what we saw from Devon a chain. And um, I mean, you're both totally right. We we've got to get him in our lineups moving forward. Um, and, you know, with the, uh, the type of player that he is, we're, we're probably going to have some duds in there, some quiet games, but I mean, the, the upside and the ability that he showed on Sunday um, is only going to lead to more opportunities. And Dan, you mentioned his size there. It, it kind of got me thinking about, um, you know, there were plenty of dynasty managers that dismissed a chain because of his size. And there's been a few guys like this over the past couple of years. And I mean, another rookie tank Dell is, is in this group as well, as far as a, uh, a player that's been, you know, dismissed ranked too lowly, uh, uh, too far down because of his size, because of his lack of size. And even Devonte Smith uh, was a, that undersized player that, that some doubted. And I mean, I think these are just examples of, um, talented players clearly that are, are going to get an opportunity regardless of how tall or short they are, how much they weigh. Like if you can make plays, you're going to get on the field. And um, not, not that we shouldn't consider a a player size in, in the equation, but um, for it to be uh, a characteristic that we're, we're going all in or all out because of, I, I think probably needs to change. Yeah, that needs to change, but we're seeing it across the league. You mentioned his size, 5'8 and a half, 188 pounds. Of course, he lit up the combine with that 4'3", 3'40", or whatever he ran in Indianapolis. But it was the it was really that the NFL confirmed our priors or those conf- those those problems or, or red flags that we had by letting him slip to late in the third round that, that most of us said, okay, there's our proof that the NFL doesn't value him as a high second round pick, like all these fantasy stars that we've seen in recent years. To your point about the the size, Ryan, we're seeing it across the league and these guys landing in the proper situation. I would say A-Chain landing in Miami with a creative play caller like Mike McDaniel and that offensive staff that puts players in the proper position that that should supersede those concerns that we had potentially. And, and like I mentioned, we're seeing across the league. It's not only these guys that are breaking into the league, but Tutu Atwell was one of those guys. He was too small to be a playmaker. And now all of a sudden in year three or four, still in McVay's system, he's blossoming. Maybe he developed, maybe he became a better route runner and, and learned how to uncover a little bit better. Maybe that coaching staff said we need to get his, his, raw speed on the field more and get the ball in his hands. And and this young crop of coaching staffs that we're seeing around the league, mostly coming out of that Shanahan tree um, are willing to use these smaller players. You, you mentioned tank Dell. He had another big game on Sunday, made a couple splash plays and it, it really spreads throughout the whole running back landscape, as well as the wide receiver position these guys are, are small, but they're so fast and so so twitchy that they're it's it's so I don't want to use the word easy, but it looks so easy for them to make these <laughs> plays. Uh, a chain was shot out of a cannon on that long touchdown run on the catch that he had as well. He looked he looked like he was going in in fast forward, honestly. So um, we're going to continue to see this, and it's our job as dynasty players to try to identify the ones that aren't going to work out for whatever reason 
if if I don't think you can take too big of an L for for overlooking a chain in the draft process, especially when we were talking about him as a first round pick, because there there are so few NFL running backs that are dynamic playmakers week in and week out at that size. It just doesn't happen very often. And, and we shouldn't put him in that category yet anyway, because it's just one week. It Most likely, Matt, this is Devin A. Chain's best game of his career. Most likely, right? I, there's, there's a chance, of course, that he has a five touchdown game and runs for 250 yards. But this is the best game he might ever have. Is there anything in your brain True. saying, maybe we should be selling Devin A. Chain this week? I'm, I, I mean, I think you can't, I, I think you probably could if you wanted to, if you wanted to get out, but like, is, is you're not taking less than a first and is anybody giving you a first? I mean, Oh, I think people are giving are, a first. Right? Yeah. I think they are off of one game. Yeah, okay. for sure. I, I'm not, I'm not sure what? I see that, but if you can get a first and you want to get out, I totally get it. It would take um, more than that I'm going to. for me to sell them. It, it, yeah. And I mean, it's not, I mean, it, I think a four touchdown game is, you know, the, probably the best game for for most running backs you know i don't think that's really fair to him to say that that's maybe his best game ever um the 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 big biggest concern like you said was the size and the long longevity of that going back to a a a stat from jj zacharyson since 2011 all running backs that went to the combine and were drafted that weighed in under 200 pounds zero have had a season of at least 15 points per game across their first three seasons in the NFL. So if that continues to play out, yeah, it's going to be a, a mistake to not sell here. Um, but I don't think he's he's the he's like the Andre Ellingtons and the Terry Cohens and the players that have come closest at that size to to really like become fantasy relevant. I think he's more than those players. And for me, I'm going to hold on for more than a first, I think. And we're going to talk about the state of the running back position a little bit later. Uh, he's one of the the bright spots, one of the, the, the you know, the, the North Star that we're looking to for to provide some kind of consistency and upside of this position that's an absolute train wreck right now. So for me, it's just not going to be enough, even if you can get that. Ryan, I think the I think the launching off point for any kind of trade is higher than that. In my mind, it's probably a mid RB2 type. Mm-hmm. plus a first round pick and like like I don't think you can get a chain right now for a late first and Javante Williams I don't think that's gonna that's not gonna get him you're gonna have to offer more than something like that yeah well I mean that's that's uh you know one of the fun parts of dynasty is uh, when we have these situations trying to, to to find that balance of first of all is is he a buy or a sell and maybe that even varies from league to league but um yeah if if you decide you want to cash in how high can you uh how high can you aim for we've had this discussion over the past couple of weeks with puka nakua as well um and mm-hmm. after you know after one good game people were flipping him for a second and and feeling you know feeling good that they made a profit on that fourth round rookie pick and you know already two weeks in you're you're probably regretting that if if you pulled the trigger on that deal so uh, i'm with you if you are looking to cash in, certainly aim very high. Uh, you know, like why not? I mean, I think I think two first is not a crazy ask at all. Um, and and I think there's going to be a lot of people out there that are willing to pay two first. I mean, this is a player that was a late first rounder in in the majority of of rookie drafts. So um, asking for two future first is is understandable. I think. But if but if you can get Gibbs for two firsts, are you doing that instead of two firsts for A-Chain? I mean, I just like, again, you always bring it up, Ryan. What else can you get for your sure. two firsts? 
Yeah, yeah from just, a buying perspective, that that's from a buying perspective. I'm not I'm not paying two firsts to go get him, but I'm selling him for two firsts. I'm selling him for all oh, absolutely. those wide receivers that are worth two firsts right now. The that whole tier of wideouts in the in the Jalen Waddle all the way down to through Devontae Smith and T Higgins, that kind of tier that w- that we talk about kind of regularly. That's that's probably where I'm aiming if I'm going to sell a chain right now. And you may not get that. But there's going to be some interest. I bet if we looked at look at the trade finder, we're going to see something like that in the next week. Well, he's he's RB thirty four in our current ADP. Current, maybe in air quotes. We're uh, we're <laughs> almost ready to collect some new ADP. This is preseason uh, data. So RB thirty four. I mean, let's go to RB twenty. That's Damian Pierce. We want a chain over Pierce at this point, right? Plus a first. Uh, you got to give. You got to put a first in with that deal. So let RB uh, RB fourteen. Najee Harris. Do you want a chain or Najee yep. Harris? You got to get a first. You got to get a first with that. So, you're not trading a chain for Harris straight up. Right. So then you're you're creeping up to RB one territory. Kenneth Walker, Travis Etienne, Ramondre Stevenson, Josh Jacobs, Jonathan Taylor. Like already, that's probably the conversation we're in. I think he's probably below most of those guys for me. Um, but still would not be shocked to see an A chain for Jonathan Taylor trade though. No, I would not not shocking either. That wouldn't be shocking at all. Either way, that Dolphins offense is incredible. It's almost to the point where if you have a Dolphin, you really have to at least consider and and really outside of those top four names, the the Tua's and the the running backs and and Tyreek, and of course we gotta put Waddle in there as well. You even have to you have to think about the guys below that uh, on their depth chart because if they can put up seventy, anybody in that offense can score for your fantasy team. It was fun to watch, unless you're a Broncos fan. Dynasty drum beats. Yeah, this is that this is that spot where we wanted to talk about the state of the running back position. Uh, it's we kind of kicked off the, the the conversation really with the A chain talk, even really with the Mostert talk. He's an aging running back that's really putting up RB one numbers, and he's been consistent. If he stays on the field, I think he's an easy uh, he's a lock for your lineup, and certainly a guy that we're building championship teams around again if healthy. But through week through three weeks. There, there's been some problems, I would say, among the running back landscape, and certainly among fantasy depth charts. There, the serious injuries have been major, right? The Nick Chubb injury, and there was some good news on that this week. Potentially a less catastrophic injury than we maybe feared earlier uh, in the week. J.K. Dobbins' injury is very serious. His name is plummeting down ADP boards as well, and then. These running backs that are missing games, guys. We have Saquon Barkley with the ankle injury. Aaron Jones has missed time with his hamstring. Of course, Jonathan Taylor on his hold-in slash PUP thing. And Eckler's banged up, so he's missing time, among others. And then on top of that, we have all these struggling veterans. And we haven't seen, as of this recording, the, the week three performance from Josh Jacobs or Najee Harris. But both of those guys have struggled out of the gate. Derrick Henry got four carries on Sunday and negative seven yards. And then Joe Mixon, again, haven't seen him in week three, but a slow start, you would say. So outside of Bijan and Christian McCaffrey, you can throw Tony Pollard's name in there as well. Ryan, are there other backs that we really can count on for consistent production? We, we mentioned Mostert. It feels like his name needs to be put in there. 
is there the list is pretty short beyond that. Yeah, it really is. And, um, (laughs) you know, it's pretty frustrating because uh, especially if you went uh, went heavy in in a startup last year or this past offseason, if you uh, made a big trade for Saquon Barkley or Austin Eckler, you're you're certainly regretting that now. And I think these these first three weeks of the season have just been an extreme example of of how bad it could be at the running back position. Uh, both performance and and injury, and it's just going to continue to push uh, kind of that zero running back uh, mindset for for dynasty. And uh, I mean, obviously, if this continues, we're talk when we're talking about those twenty twenty four off season startup drafts. I mean, there's there's going to be one running back in in the first round and and maybe only two or three in the first couple rounds. It's it's just going to push all of these players down. Um I think a little bit of that is that class of 2017 uh impact that that we talk about a lot on here. Uh, just basically all of those impactful running backs or at least most of those impactful running backs are slowing down nearing the end of their career and and certainly losing value. Um uh, you know, outside of outside of Christian McCaffrey, that is the case for those guys. And there were so many uh, talented running backs in that group that really changed the landscape of dynasty. And and now that they're kind of kind of phasing out a little bit, or at least at least past their prime, um, we're we're feeling the negative impact of that. And and the list really really goes on, right? There's like you can pick hand pick a few names along our ADP that, that have uh, that you're feeling pretty good about guys like Kenneth Walker. He's, he's had a pretty good start to his second season, a couple multi-touchdown games. Um, but, but the, but the list of disappointments, especially among those running back twos, starting with guys like Ramondre Stevenson and Javante Williams, these, these guys, there was, there was high hopes for them and, and Damian Pierce and uh, uh, Cam Akers, who's going to plummet down draft boards. Of course, it's Matt. It's we're we're at an odd space right now. We're we're in an odd time in Dynasty because we've always preached that you put the running back in place when you're ready to win that championship. Right. That that's always what we try to do. But the truth is, for years. When you have that elite running back or a guy with elite running back upside, you you, ha- you feel a lot of dynasty managers feel like they have to hold them because they're so hard to find. It might have really injected some more life, as Ryan was saying, into the fact that we need to be more zero RB centric, build our team through the other positions, even even the onesie positions potentially, and put that running back in place when it's time to win the title. And that might not even be the year that you need to win the title. It might be at the trade deadline the year that you think you can win the title. Yeah, we we talked about you know maybe we need to rate these running backs as as you know on a, on a redraft basis, like basically the same as we play a redraft with these, and now it's like we play them the same way we play DFS, like on a weekly basis almost. Right? You talked about uh, the guys at the top, Bijan and and Christian McCaffrey and Pollard as the only reliable guys, and I think I see a few more names in, in the top twenty or twenty five at the running back position. I think Jonathan Taylor, if if, if the things with the Colts uh, that are really not football issues can get resolved, I think he's somebody we can probably add to the reliable list 
uh, whether it's for the Colts or, or another team uh, going down the list more, like it just gets gross. I think you mentioned Kenneth Walker. That's the other, the next name for me. Then you get down into the twenties and it's, it's Aaron Jones, but he's been hurt. You know, I think Eckler is maybe trustworthy once he is healthy, but you know, all the way down into like the twenties and thirties, like it just, it just gets obviously uglier and uglier, but these guys at the top that we thought were reliable, even guys like Brees Hollow after, after week one, despite the Rogers injury looked like he was ready to, to come out and, and light the world on fire again. But, but he is disappointed the last two weeks. So it's just really tough. Like, like, like Ryan said, I think we're going to see two or three running backs. It almost feels like the only running backs that anybody are going to want to trade for at the end of the season are Bijan Robinson, maybe Gibbs. If he, if he picks it up, uh, maybe, you know, a chain, if he continues and like outside of that, there's just not a lot of bright spots, at least at this point in the season that we can look to uh, even at towards the end of the season, not even talking about 2024. Right. So it's just, it's rough. And in the leagues where you start two running backs, I mean, we, we need to maybe start doing away with those two. We, we've, I know we've all played in two tight end leagues, and they're brutal. Uh, two running back leagues are kind of brutal right now, too. So, so sometimes you need two running backs in place for that title run. That is where I kind of wanted to bring the conversation. Ryan, you, you talk a lot about settings and, and commissioner philosophy and, and league setups. There are a lot of leagues out there, and I've always been a fan of the two running back starts uh, where, you, where you're forced to start two running backs because that adds so much value and it, it creates it really creates uh, team building, different team building philosophies and strategies yeah. for, for, for every team, no matter if you're a contender all the way down to the bottom of your uh, standings because it adds some value to the position and you see those trades, especially mid-season, at the trade deadline, but with the amount of injuries that we're seeing at the position, the amount of um, fall offs, you could say those 26 and 27 year old running backs that seem to hit the cliff and fall off dramatically. It's difficult to force dynasty managers to start two running backs because simply put, there aren't 24 running backs every single week that you feel good about clicking on the name in your starting lineup. Yeah. As far as, kind of creating that league and, and thinking about those settings. I have always preferred uh, just requiring one starting running back and then using multiple flex spots. I, I like the, the flexibility that it does uh, allow in, in team building and in roster building. But at the same time, I, I get what you're talking about kind of trying to push the position. I mean, that's the same thing that we have done with the quarterback position, right? Quarterback, position was worthless for so long and and that's a big part of, a big part of the reason that super flex leagues have become so popular that's why tight end premium leagues have become so popular we're trying to essentially make the position more important in in fantasy and i think that's what a league that requires two starting running backs does um at the same time i mean you think about one reason we don't like leagues with kickers is because of the volatility of the kicker position, the unpredictability of the kicker position from week to week. And we're kind of starting to see the same thing at the running back position. Um, so I, I don't, I don't want to compare kickers and, and running backs. I know we, we did that when it comes to their, uh, their salaries this, this past off season, but um <sighs> Yeah, ultimately, I'm I'm satisfied with the leagues that uh, that I run where you only have to start one running back. Yeah, I get that. That's that's tough, Matt. Anything to add there? 
Yeah. I wonder now, like, and this is probably not an original idea. I'm sure somebody out there is doing this already, but you, the three of us, we build around the wide receiver position. We're talking about this. We should be building a wide around the wide receiver position based on the way these running backs are performing this season. But I'm almost at the point where, you know, in these, in these roster, these leagues where you have 30 roster spots, 25 roster spots, these deeper leagues, right? Maybe the, really the play is to, you know, really go embrace that zero RB and get six or seven really strong wide receivers and then just have 10 or 15 running backs, you know, filling out, filling out your rosters in, in, in cases where you need to play, you know, Craig Reynolds <laughs> in a particular week, because we see that these end of the roster wide receivers, while, while the, while the position is deep in general, like we really want to be stopping, uh, starting those top tier guys, the, the, the Puka Nakua's of the world, the tank Dells of the world. These are not players that, that come around that often. And those players are not going to help you nearly as much, especially in a two, two running back uh, required format as, you know, uh, uh, just a, just a, 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 a troop of running backs on your roster ready to go when one falls off or one gets injured or, or whatever, you know, the one thing I think it has done from a league perspective is it has created, um, waiver wires that are more active, even in these deep leagues, we Mm -hmm. play in a lot of leagues where you have 25, even 30 roster spots that are active every single week, Ryan. And it feels to me like every week so far this year, we've seen running backs popping up that could be productive the very next week, even in in these 30, 30 deep 12 12 player leagues that hasn't always been the case it's been trending in that direction it's going to be again here in week four coming up the the waiver wire is going to be there's going to be a couple of names where you could you could add somebody that you could potentially put in your lineup and that's you know I, I guess that for league activity that that make that makes it fun um, but again, I, I had to click on Craig Reynolds name in one mm-hmm. spot this past week, a couple spots. And that that doesn't feel good when he has five carries for 20 yards. Yeah, I mean, I think your point on the waiver wire is is true. And I think that would be true whether you're starting requiring one or, or two or, or or even three running backs. Um who don't don't require three. Don't put that out there. People be talking about that. We need to go ultra flex before we do that, right? Um, but I, I think, I mean, I think that again, that's just the volatility of the position that um in so many cases we can't count on um we can't count on a running back to be available or to be good, uh good enough to start even you know, as as short out as a week from now. So uh yeah, it's it's clearly just a tough spot for the running back position right now. And I will say, I think all of this discussion, all of the injuries, all of the struggles from some of these running backs that we we thought we could count on, all of that is just going to make Bijan Robinson even more valuable. Um, you know, if if he's that one guy, and and there there's a clear tier separation from him to everybody else, which I think there already is. Um, you know, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe there has been since the preseason and, and now we feel more confident in that. Um, yeah, like I said, it just, it's just going to make him that, that unicorn that's so much more valuable than every other running back. I completely hear that. And I agree with it where we are right now, but I would, I would counter that with, I think people, or even us, probably the three of us would have said the same thing about Jonathan Taylor just a couple of seasons ago when he was having that, that monster season leading, leading the league in rushing and, and rushing touchdowns and clear RB one. And 
it really took just the end of his contract that that ended all of that. Now we're we're wondering if he's going to get back on the field, let alone remain an RB1 for us when he does. So um, the the career arc is so short with these running backs. And I, I just, I think you need to even look at it when it comes to a guy like Bijan, who's only playing his third game on Sunday. Let's move on to our mock draft, guys. The DLF Dynasty Podcast Mock Draft. Here we go, guys. A mock draft. We really wanted to create an avenue to talk about players that are gaining value and losing value in Dynasty. So we're going to do a mock draft predicting some risers and fallers in October ADP. And we agreed before the show, we're not going to take the low-hanging fruit. We're going to stay off of some of those players. We really want to talk about a a lot of players. So we're going to fit as many as we can into these 20 or 25 minutes. Ryan, you can pick either a riser or a faller. With every pick, you drew the number one pick, followed by me, then Matt. We're each going to play take three of each, three risers and three fallers. So who's who's the biggest riser or faller in September for October ADP? Well, this does feel like low hanging fruit. I think I think there's a couple of pretty easy picks here, or pretty obvious picks, I guess I should say. But when I think about the player that uh, his value will change the most from our September ADP and uh, through October, which uh, we'll start, we'll start here very soon. It has to be the guy we just keep talking about Puka Nakua. Um, He was the wide receiver um, 72 in, uh, in September ADP. We talked a little bit about it last week. I think he ends up somewhere in the low end uh, wide receiver two range. So maybe between wide receiver 20, uh, 20 and 25 in that October ADP, certainly he could be even higher than that. You know, I mean, I've seen the, I've seen some Twitter talk that he's already a top five dynasty wide receiver. I'm, I'm not quite, I'm not quite there yet. Um, but, but those opinions are out there. Um, but yeah, this is, this is a player that I expect to gain around 50 spots in positional value in one month. Easily. Yeah, easily. And and maybe even more than that, right? It could it could get out of control. In fact, I'm uh I almost want to get into one of these mocks just to see how high it happens in real time because it's it's <laughs> wild. Um I'm gonna go with a riser as well, and it's the guy we started the show off with. It's Devin A Chain. And you know, if we would have done this a few days ago, A Chain probably wouldn't even be on in this in this eighteen pick mock draft, right? Yep. Because he hadn't done it yet. But Four touchdowns, over 200 total yards from scrimmage. Uh, that'll change things, and and I think what compounds that is what we talked about the coaching with the coaching staff, that offense, and the creative opportunities they're going to give a chain. They're not going to be able to keep him off the field, even when Jeff Wilson comes back. A chain will be a big part of this offense, and and big part might only be mean 10 or 12 plays, but those 10 or 12 plays are going to contain five or six created touches. And then five or six plays where they're using him as a decoy, right? Uh, And those are high leverage plays. So A-Chain is going to rise big time. Right now, we're looking at him at 82 overall in single quarterback ADP. He's You already mentioned the names, Ryan. If if you're talking about Damian Pierce, people are going to pick Devin A-Chain over Damian Pierce. If you talk about Najee Harris, they're taking Devin A-Chain. And these running backs, you're going to find 
a lot higher, talking about third round picks. So A chain could potentially move 40 spots from 80, 82 to 42, 82 to 35, 38, something like that could happen. It's it's not out of the question. Yeah, not at all. Uh, so A-Chain was the running back 34 last month, I think we already mentioned. Um, and and as we've kind of said, he's he's going to jump into that mid-RB2 range, maybe even higher. So, yeah, certainly a significant jump coming uh, for Devon A-Chain. Matt, did we leave you anybody? Yeah, you did. <laughs> I was always worried I was going to get sniped. And I think there's probably a player or two that maybe – you know, maybe moves up a little bit higher than him, but I got, I got to go with Tank Dell as my first pick here. He came back after his performance in week two and, and doubled up on that uh, with 145 yards uh, today, led the Texans in receiving and targets for the second straight week in receptions today. Uh, now is tied with Nico with 15 receptions on the season to lead the Texans, has more yards at 251 to Nico's 226 and more touchdowns two to one to Nico. So uh, Tank Dell wide receiver 62 this month, uh, 135 overall. I see him moving up into the late 30s or mid to late 30s in terms of wide receiver in terms of positional ranking and maybe into the 70s, that late sixth, early seventh round um, in terms of uh, overall overall ADP. Yeah, I had him ranked relatively high as well. He has made a big impact for sure. I like that pick. Belongs here. Ryan, did did he get your guy for the for the fourth overall pick, the 201? Uh, definitely was on my list for sure. Uh, and Matt, I'm sorry. I was wrong. Tank Dell is very good. I wish I had listened to you. Is he still worth a second, Ryan? Uh, he's, he might be worth more than a second. Might be worth a couple seconds at least. Uh, but certainly a big, uh, a big riser. He's been, he's been so impressive these past couple weeks. Um, uh, I'm going to go back that Dan, you said, don't take the low hanging fruit, but I'm, I'm going to stick with it because I think this will be the player that will change drastically in value. Unfortunately, it's Nick Chubb who uh, was the running back yeah. eight in our September ADP. I think he falls somewhere into the thirties, uh, the early thirties. Um, so we're talking about a uh, mid range RB three. We did, we did get that good news after, you know, seeing that, that horrible injury on Monday night, uh, just, uh, just a couple days ago, the report that potentially had only, uh, Chubb had only torn his ACL, I'm sorry, his, uh, MCL. And, uh, maybe it's a eight month recovery instead of a 15, uh, 15 month recovery and, and potentially career ending. So some good news, but, uh, definitely going to be still a, a major faller. Yeah, not not low hanging fruit there. We didn't, of course, get an opportunity to talk about Chubb on the show last week when the injury happened because we recorded before it happened. Um, it's it's really devastating, and I understand. You know, we saw all that stuff on Twitter or X or whatever, where where everybody was saying, "Let's not worry about the fantasy value. Let's talk about the player first. And and I agree with all that. That. That it really sucks for Chubb, but it sucks for us too. It sucks in fantasy, and it really sucks that we don't get to see Nick Chubb play at the like he's at the peak of his powers. It feels mm. like, and he had that backfield to himself, and he was supposed to catch the pass. This was the year for all the people that have been been riding this Chubb train forever, and have been waiting for that RB one overall season and. He was on on his way in that game to an RB1 overall kind of week, right? And it just 
It just sucks. And we all lose them. But the reality is now we have to react. Where are we taking him? In in a startup at this point, Ryan. You are you are you marking him off your board because of this injury? Is the news that we got late this this past week that maybe it wasn't quite as catastrophic as we thought enough to to make you invest in a startup? I know he's probably over that age limit, that threshold that you kind of have for for any player, let alone a running back. But Chubb's a different kind of player, and it wouldn't be that shocking if he came back, rehabbed his ass off, and is suddenly uh, performing at near the same level that that we've seen in the past and, and scoring points for dynasty managers. Uh, he would not be off my board completely. No. Um, I mean, my, I mean, kind of my general strategy when doing a startup draft is to try to take all players that I think can gain value. And if you're talking about Nick Chubb in the 12th round, 15th round, 18th round, I was going to say outside the 10th, then, then certainly there's a path for him to gain value based on, on that projected uh, draft capital. So yeah, I would, I would definitely consider him. Uh, I mean, I'm looking at our running back list right now, like running back 50 is Damian Harris. Um, So that's, you know, we're not, we're not going that low Uh, in the forties. You see guys like Jalen Warren and Roshan Johnson that we're, we're probably talking about somewhere in that range that I'd rather have um, rather take those young guys versus Chubb. So maybe in the late thirties, early forties uh, of running backs is where I would look at him. It's, it's what I had to. Yeah. That, that seems to make sense. And I think there's, that's a realistic landing spot, especially any startup that happens late this season or, or early in the off season before any news really breaks of Chubb's uh, status going into, into the off season and, and throughout the, uh, the, the training camp next season. I'm up. With the with the second pick in the second round, and I'm going to take my second riser. It's going to be Sam Laporta, the tight end for the mm, Detroit got Lions. Me. I kind of I, I got to take a little bit. I think many dynasty managers need to take a little bit of an L on Laporta. I liked I liked him coming out of Iowa. I snickered maybe a little bit when he got selected by the Lions as high as they, they took him, and he looks like a perfect fit in that offense on Sunday against the Falcons. He caught eight of his 11 targets for 84 yards. He had that long touchdown. There were only four, uh, four players that received targets in that football game. Laporta got 11. Amon Ross St. Brown got 12. And then Khalif Raymond got six and uh, Jameer Gibbs got two. That's it. And they, they held, they held the ball for most of that game. They held the league for lead for all of that game really dominated it. But Laporta was a big part of that offense. And he has been a big part since week one, really uh, game by game, improving on his stat line, eight catches in the opener, or uh, excuse me, five catches in the opener, five catches in the second game of the season as well. And now finally gets into the end zone. We're probably talking about a, a high end tight end one as soon as this season, right? His, he, he came in at tight end 10 uh, going into his rookie season in September ADP He's he's behind Pat Fryermuth, Darren Waller, Dalton Kincaid, and then it's like George Kittle and Dallas Goddard. The next name is the tight end four, T.J. Uh, Hawkinson. I wouldn't be surprised if Laporta comes in at tight end five next uh, next month. 
and wouldn't be shocked if he jumps Kyle Pitts, guys. I had him projected. Oh, I as, think that's happening. Yeah. I had Laporta projected as tight end four uh, behind Kelsey Andrews and Hawkinson uh, and above Pitts. Yeah. So, yeah, we're, we're on the same page there. Matt, who's going to round out round two? Well, um, I'm going to go to Fallers, I think. Um, I'm going to go to Drake London. Wide receiver 15, 28 overall. It's just this, this, even in a, you know, even in a game where Atlanta was behind, we're still not seeing increased, like really that much increased volume to, to Pitts and, uh, and uh, Drake London. Right. So had a good game last week, you know, 60 something yards and a touchdown back to earth again this week with really not much to speak of. So I just, it's just so frustrating because these guys are such good players in Pitts and London and you can't, you can't start them. Uh, at least in on, on weeks where you don't have you know bye week issues, injury issues, things like that, you just you just don't know what you're going to get. You can play the variance, I guess. You can play that game as you know the last starter, you know, hope, hoping for a big game for these guys. But otherwise, they are not reliable, and that's how they are being drafted right now. Uh, we like our second year wide receivers, our wide receivers with these high pedigrees like Drake London, but uh, it's it doesn't seem like it's going to happen even when there is a need for the team to pass. I like that pick. He certainly belongs in this range. Uh, uh, I didn't say, uh, I think he's going to move down to like the low to mid twenties, late forties overall. Uh, Ryan, you're up to start up round three. Uh, well, when I, when I chose Puka Nakua, I think I said that there were three, uh, three obvious picks, at least obvious to me. Nakua was one. I got the second one, Nick Chubb at the two Oh one. And I'm taking the third one here. Uh, it's Kyron Williams. He was the running yeah, back. That was my other pick. Yeah, he was the running back 77 in September, um, in part due to what we've seen from him already, both the um, the level of play, the trade of, of Cam Akers, um, a- a- along with all the craziness at, at the running back position that we talked about earlier. I think he moves into the uh, high-end RB3 range just outside the top 25 is where I have him projected. So we're talking, again, about a 50-spot rise just among the running back position. I completely yeah, I went agree. mid-20s. Yeah, agree with that. He belongs on this list. I, I'm still terrified of counting on Kyron Williams in the long term. I, it doesn't feel like this is something that but it's running back Dan. Yeah, I know I it too. doesn't feel like something too. that just... can last throughout next season and into a third season. That's not what we're saying by putting Kyron Williams right. at the top of the third round in this mod. I think if you were doing a if you're doing a startup draft, or if you're yeah, if you're doing a startup dynasty draft right now between week three and four, he's probably going higher than RB twenty five, right? He's probably I mean, even if you think, just get me through this season. Again, it's back to the same discussion we had yeah. earlier. How many running yes. backs are you even looking at and and expecting multiple year value, multiple year production? Once you get past 10 or 12, just give me something right now. And and that's what Kyron Williams is. Yeah, that's exactly what he is. I, I, I'll tell you one guy that won't give you anything right now. It's my pick here in the third round, Kyle Pitts. He's not giving you anything. And, <laughs> you know, he, he lit it up 
on Sunday against God. the Lions. Five Shut total up. catches Shut for up. 41 yards. Career game, really. It felt like one if you've been putting Pitts in your lineup. Those nine points feel like a blessing. Pitts is not I, – I heard somebody say on a podcast, on, on a radio show, whatever, wherever it was, that Pitts might be the most underutilized talent the NFL has ever seen. And that opened my eye. I think I think that might be accurate. He's he's so dynamic. He's so fast. All the things that we fell in love throughout the draft process, none of it matters as long as oh, that man. coaching staff is intact. And nothing so far this season suggests the coaching staff will either change their minds or ch- change in general. And, and we'll have a new coaching staff or a new philosophy go in there to Atlanta. Pitts is in – he's in – He's in limbo right now and nothing's going to change. We can't start him. Um, not at least without sweating our, 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 you know, what's off. And it, it's sad, Matt, that five catches for 41 yards feels like a big game for him. It, it, it does. It, it, it does. It sucks. It's all that stuff. I guess the, the only counter argument I can even give at this point is I that the, the bar, the bar, the bar at tight end is so low. You know, like if you don't have Kelsey, Andrews, Hawk, I guess Kittle, you can throw in there. We, we're starting to trust Laporta, right? The rest of these guys, they are all at risk for the same kind of disappointing performance. And at least with Pitts, you have some hope for some upside based on the talent. And I know it's a, we're grasping at straws here, but I just I think the state of the position keeps him in the range where it's still unless you just have one of those other four or five guys that we feel like we can trust. Like, I just, like, I, like I'm not going to start Dalton Schultz over him. I'm not going to start Juwan Johnson over him. I'm not going to start, probably not going to start. Maybe I'll start Evan Ingram over him. Pat Fryermuth has done nothing to so, so far. Dalton Kincaid has done nothing so far. Darren Waller, who was going to save the position, has done nothing so far. It's just, I, I think he's still in the range of starters for most people, despite the performance. Yeah, I don't think so. You know, you got to start guys like Jake Ferguson over him, and that's tight. Taysom Hill, like, like, just yeah. Matt, p- pick a riser. I hate it. <laughs> talking about these fallers. You got a riser for us? It's it's really depressing, isn't it? Yeah, I got some, <laughs> I got some more risers. Uh, this is a player I don't even really like that much, and didn't all the way back to the draft process. But I think we have to consider Kenneth Walker as a riser at this point, even at his lofty ADP of running back 13, 38 overall. He's had back-to-back two touchdown performance games in week two. It was very inefficient. I think 40 yards on 17, 18 carries, something like that. But today uh, the efficiency was back. He caught a pass down feel that, you know, it was probably underthrown. He looked a little bit awkward on the route and the catch, but he brought it down for 30, 35 yards, something like that. Finished with over 50 yards receiving on the day. Uh, it doesn't seem like they want Charbonnet involved, except for at the very end of the game and on passing downs, which is, you know, we, we knew that Charbonnet was going to take those passing downs largely anyway, but he's not getting the volume on the ground unless the, the game is kind of, you know, wrapping up, I think. So Kenneth Walker running back 13, 38 overall. I see him moving up just because, again, the state of this running back position, we've been talking about it all show. I see him moving up in that running back five to eight range up into the early 30s in the, the you know, the third round of, of startup drafts at this point. We're, we say that right now, but Zach Zach Charbonnet got one series to himself, and I think he got four. He looked great. Series. He looked, he looked incredible great. when that. he threw he that defender, so, the DB to the ground. Yes, Whoa. he was so patient and showed such burst. 
that they're not going to be able to keep him off the field. And that's going to cut into Walker's workload. It's going to take one little nick, one little thing that keeps Walker off the field for a week or two. And all of a sudden Charbonnet is going to get one series for every series Walker gets. And that's going to affect both of their values in different ways. We're halfway through this draft and we need to pick things up. Ryan, uh, give me, uh, we each have two risers and one faller as well. So give me a name, give me a little bit of analysis and let's move on. Mm, okay, so I only have one riser left, huh? Yep, that's right. You gonna save it? Yeah, I better save it. I've got more risers than fallers, so uh, I'll have to uh, I'll have to settle on a faller here. Um, I'm going to go. I'm gonna go with Cooper Cup. Um, you know, it's a little out of sight, out of mind. Uh, we we think he's coming back eventually. A uh, wide receiver, eighteen in September ADP. I think he falls out of the top twenty-five wide receivers. Um, I think the, obviously the play of Puka Nakua is only hurting, uh, cups value in my opinion. So yeah, Cooper cup faller. Yeah. He belongs on the list for sure. For, for a multitude of reasons. I'm going to take my last riser because I wanted to talk about him. It's to a tongue of a loa. And mm-hmm. it's really because that that offense has been so good and has made so many big plays. And two is the point guard, right? He's the one getting the points because he's distributing the football. He's in total control of that offense. And with those weapons, I know he's just one, one big injury, one big hit away from being on the sideline once again and scaring all dynasty managers. Dynasty managers have a short uh short memory when it comes to those things he's going to rise big time his high point in adp was 75 overall in single quarterback leagues um right now he's at quarterback 12 and 103 overall he should return to that 75 ish range which would put him in the in the quarterback like the quarterback eight range, certainly over Deshaun Watson and Anthony Richardson, I would say definitely over Dak Prescott, who was ahead of him uh, in September. I could see him jumping Justin Fields, to be honest. So uh, Tua is is one of the biggest risers uh, in, in ADP coming up this next month. Like that quite a bit. Uh, I mean, it's just the concussion stuff, and as long as he doesn't have that, he's he's, he's like he's playing like a top five quarterback, right? So, right. Uh, my next pick, uh, I'm going to go Faller, and I'm going to go with Khalil Herbert. It's not not exciting, I know. Running back 28 currently, 81 overall, but uh, he's already getting play outplayed by Roshan Johnson. He's better in the receiving game. He's just as good in the running game you know maybe not as quick and and dynamic as a runner as herbert is um but he's also got the pass protection locked down and this is a really bad this is a really a bad team right so a bad team with a bad offensive line a quarterback that needs a lot of protection so i really see roshan uh taking over this role uh, sooner than sooner than later, he's you know he only scored three point seven points this week, but Khalil Herbert only scored three point four. He out out uh, produced him last week as well. Uh, so Khalil Herbert, I see falling down to the mid to late forties at the running back position, maybe the one forty one fifties kind of range overall. All right, I think I'm next up. I'm going to go with a running back as well, uh, but I'm going to take my last riser. Um, I already took Nick Chubb, so I'll take his teammate, uh, Jerome Ford, here. Uh, Ford was the RB58, obviously going to gain quite a bit of value. Already has gained a lot of value, but uh, going to move way up the ADP list as well. Uh, As I said, he was RB58. I look at that 
range of players, uh, late twenties, early thirties. Herbert is there right now that Matt just spoke about, uh, Brian Robinson, David Montgomery, James Connors, uh, all in that range. I think that's where, uh, Jerome Ford ends up in October. Uh, first two shots at the starting gig, uh, both taking over for Chubb on uh, last Monday and then this week against the best uh, run defense in the league. He produced both times. So um, I'm not not worried at all about Kareem Hunt as far as a threat to Ford's workload. And uh, we talked about those running backs that we can count on for the rest of the season. We didn't mention Jerome Ford's name, but maybe we should have. Yeah, he might belong in that, right? It's uh yeah. It's another thing, the state of the position indeed. I'm gonna I gotta go with a faller because that's all I got left. And I'm taking Justin Fields, guys. And I guess I've talked to talked about him probably enough, the reasons why, but just his general output is not good enough. We're we're talking about quarterback two type numbers now. Has he has he cracked 15 fantasy points in a game? The rushing's not there, and I know they tried against Kansas City on Sunday to give him opportunities, 11 carries for 47 yards. That's great. That's, that's, that'd be really great for a lot of quarterbacks, not for Justin Fields who can't hit, hit an open receiver and, and throws for only 99 yards in the same game. So with all those opportunities, he, it's, it's just not there. Justin Fields is, he's got to fall. I, I hope he's outside the top 10 quarterbacks. I honestly hope he's outside the top 12. I think he will be. Uh, I'm going to go with, yeah, I, I think so too. Uh, I'm going to go with my last faller here. Uh, I'm going to say, I'm going to go with Alexander Madison. I mean, he redeemed himself today a little bit. He did fumble again, uh, but he's, he's going to finish, I think, as a running back one this week. We still have all, the Sunday night game and the two Monday night games to go, but 17 and a half fantasy points this week. But we didn't we really talk about it. I don't know how much we really need to talk about it, but Cam Akers traded to the Vikings. You have to imagine both of them are going to take a significant hit in value. Um, and you know, maybe Matt, I don't know if Madison did enough today to really save him from being in a full blown committee at this point. Good pick. Uh, Ryan, I'm up. you got one. Left. Yeah. One, one last faller. Um, I am going to go with, uh, another guy we just haven't seen very much or actually have not seen at all. And I think he's going to fall in ADP because of that. I'm going to take Christian Watson. Uh, he was the wide receiver 16 in September, uh, which felt a little high at that point. Certainly feels very high right now. I think he falls out of the wide receiver two range. So uh, more like wide receiver 25 is where I could see him in October. Yeah, I get that. That's a, that's a fair selection for sure. I actually didn't have him on my list, but uh, maybe should have. I'm going to stick with the, I got one more faller to go and I got to stick with the bears. This one, it's not DJ Moore's fault, but he he can't catch passes if if he if they're not thrown to him. There was a play on Sunday where he was wide open on the sideline, and the ball sailed over his head, landed about six yards out of bounds, and they showed it from behind the the behind Fields. And as soon as Fields let go of the ball, DJ Moore's shoulder slumped and his head went down. Like what the heck am I doing here? He's he's in a bad spot and I feel bad for the guy. We love him on our dynasty rosters when we look at his name in the off season, but we have to hate it right now because you can't even start the guy and he's so good. All right. The last pick, um, man, I'm going to go back to running backs again. James cook. He, maybe he's entering our circle of trust a little bit running back 22, currently 65 overall back-to-back games over a hundred yards, looking really dynamic on the ground. The pass catching 
hasn't been stellar, but we've we've seen some flashes of it. That's really what we know he can do. Uh, the running is what we were looking for. He is getting vultured at basically every touchdown, whether it's Damian Harris or Latavius Murray, sometimes both like it was last week. Uh, that part is concerning. But otherwise, it seems like he has uh, the workload to himself. So James Cook, I can see moving up to, again, because of the state of the running back position, the mid to late teens uh, at the position, and maybe the 40s, for, like mid 40s, early 40s overall. I had a couple other potential followers. J.K. Dobbins was the easy one, right, guys? We all avoided him, but he could have been a really high pick in this quote-unquote draft. Najee Harris was another follower, potentially could have been on somebody. And then Cam Akers. You mentioned Madison, so I kind of crossed him off the list. Uh, Akers' value just took a huge hit. Among the other risers, I actually think Tyreek Hill could be a riser after his just red-hot start. Uh, Luke Musgrave was another one. You could throw a few Packers in there with Jordan Love and Jaden Reed and Romeo Dobbs as well. Those were all like considerations way down the board. Any other names that were really missing on guys quickly? I had Tutu Atwell as a riser. Oh, yeah, that's uh, a good one. I had Van Jefferson as a faller. DeAndre Hopkins as a faller. Uh, I think you guys good got one. the rest of them. I like that. I think we're going to see continue to see the rookies gain value. I think both Addison and Flowers will move up. Marvin Mims was wide receiver 50. I think he'll sure. move move away up. I could see JSN kind of coming back to the pack. He was the wide receiver 11 last month. I, I don't think he's in that range. Uh, and then, again, we've talked about the running backs all episode. Eckler, Taylor, I think they they fall off a little bit. Yeah, we're going to continue talking about it each and every week here on the DLF Dynasty podcast. From Matt and Ryan, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening to this episode. We'll catch you again next week. Thank you for listening to the DLF Dynasty podcast. Please remember to rate and review and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.